This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. Four decades have passed since Pam O'Neill became the first female jockey in Australia to ride against the men. It was the culmination of years of intense lobbying by Pam and a handful of loyal supporters. She wasn't permitted to ride on metropolitan tracks at first, so she went to a Gull Coast meeting and politely racked up a winning treble. She did the same thing the following Saturday. There was no such thing as a lady jockey's room in those days. She was allocated a caravan, which was very quickly tagged Pam's penthouse. I had a quick glance at some results from four random race meetings to see how many girls spent all or part of the day in the now well-appointed lady jockey's rooms all over Australia. Warwick Farm, last Wednesday, July 17th, 10 girls competed on the day. Rose Hill, July 13, seven lady riders. Grafton, uh, Sunday the 14th of July, eight girls. Cranbourne in Victoria, Wednesday the 17th of July, eight girls on the day. Sunshine Coast, Wednesday the 17th of July, six lady riders on the day. Pam O'Neill, you've got a lot to answer for. <laughs> Thanks, John. I, I keep saying that my old saying about these girls, I said, you know what, girls, you should donate a dollar to every ride that you get because to keep me in the lifestyle I'm accustomed to, but nothing's come across, John. <laughs> Not one dollar. <laughs> Not one dollar. <laughs> that's that's the world we live in. Yes. Now, Pam, before we find out how you did it, let's find out what you're up to today at 74 years of age. I can't believe it. You're secretary-treasurer of the Queensland Jockeys Association and a director yes. of the Australian Jockeys Association. Keep you pretty busy? It, it does keep me busy. You don't realise how much work's involved with them all. Mm. Uh, it just gets more and more every day. But uh, I enjoy it, John. It, uh, as, as I, you know, I, I love the racing industry and uh, I'm real passionate about it. So the more I can help the jockeys, the more we can make best for them, we'll, I'll mm. be a better place. I can't begin to imagine the joy you must get watching the girls of today making such a huge impact all over Australia. Yes, I, uh, you know, I really, I really don't think about what I did. As I said at the time, I was there and there was something that I really was very passionate about. I wanted to ride against the men and, uh, and I'm just pleased that it came when it did. Mm. You shed a few tears the day Michelle Payne won the Melbourne Cup on Prince of Penzance. Yeah, John, I did. I I just felt as though after all these years, I didn't think that I'd see a girl ride a Melbourne Cup winner in my lifetime, no. and it happened. And then I thought, well, that's the pinnacle. We, you know, the girls have finally done it. So uh, because you find that once the girls come out of their apprenticeship, they still find it pretty hard to get rides in town. And there's a lot. A lot of ones exceptional that do get it, like uh, Tegan Harrison up here mm. and uh, Linda Meach, which is my pin-up girl uh, down in Sydney. She, mm. In Melbourne, Melbourne. She, yeah. Yeah, she rides very well. She was up here with um, Peter Moody when he was up here, mm -hmm. Linda. 
Oh, she's and, very uh, good. Very good. Oh, she's brilliant, I think, you know. And, and of course, there was Claire Lindoff, and there's a few that I've missed, but, uh, mm. you know, it's uh, they still find it a bit hard to get rides in town. Mm. And they've been winning a Group 1 here and there too, Pam. Uh, Jamie Carr won the Australian Cup this year. Uh, Rachel King won the Group 1 Champion Stakes at Randwick last spring. Um, they're popping up all over the place. They sure are. Well, it's, it's gone ahead now, really, John, you know, which is, which is great. You won't mind my releasing the news, I'm sure, that you are a great-grandmother. Your son Gavin's daughter, Celine, made this possible about seven months ago. Yes, she did, and um, I, uh, I'm very proud of the great-granddaughter, I can tell you. They call me Great Nanny Pam. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> great Nanny Pam. That's a noble <laughs> title. <laughs> Another granddaughter, Taylor, is right into racing. Doesn't she work for Toby Edmonds on the Gold Coast? Yes, yeah, she does. Um, she she just loves the racing too. I think I don't know who she caught it from, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she's uh, she just loves it, and she's with Toby, and um, and she just loves the horses too, John. She's very she's very good at it, even if a grandmother says that. <laughs> yeah, you grew up at Ascot, a Brisbane suburb, where there were racing stables on all sides. Your dad, I think Winton was your late dad's name, wasn't it? Yes, that was right. Yep, he was a hobby trainer who died much trainer. too soon at only 53. And one of your greatest regrets is the fact that Dad never saw the fruits of your labour. Yes, he was a great backer of mine, you know. Like I, uh, as, as I said, I grew up in Ascot. There was 32 stables in that area at the time. Mm. Now it's Yuppie City, I call it. Um, <laughs> All the stables are gone and there's nothing there, you know, not stables. And um, I, um, he, 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 he was a hobby trainer and he used to always uh, uh, get me a pony to ride at pony clubs and everything. And um, anyhow, he, uh, he was a hobby trainer then and uh, we used to go to the uh, sales Mm. And I was only about 15, 14, 15, and, mm. and mum used to say to us, because we had two stables in the back of our yard, you know, mm. our house, and uh, mum used to say, if you two come home with another horse, you'll be sleeping on the street. <laughs> but we never finished on the street, but we come home with another horse. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Every time. Now, you'd lead them to the track for track work, but then you'd have to hand them over to a male strapper. Females were not even allowed to lead horses on a race course. Is that when you first got the hackles up? Well, yes, I did because I didn't know that that was about then, you know, because I used to lead Dad's horses up and and Bill O'Brown was the caretaker of Eagle Farm at the time and he said, you can't touch these on a racetrack. I said, what are you kidding? Anyhow, I'd hand them over to Dad and, and I was always getting into trouble for patting for patting the horses and that, and uh, mm. that I think it really got my hackles up then. Mm. I thought this has got to change. Females riding track work was unheard of, so this was the first barrier you had to kick down. Now there was a well-known stipendiary steward in Brisbane at the time called Clive Morgan, who played a role in this very important part of your life. How did that play out? 
Well, see, I used to I used to be a, a top show rider. I used to ride in a lot of shows, and um, and I, I, I could say that I could handle. I was going to handle a racehorse anyhow, and anyhow, uh, mm. and I used to down. Sorry for going on, but down mm. from Ascot, there was these big mud flats, mm. and Mel Shoemaker and I used to get down there and ride the racehorses for Dad down on these mud flats. Good heavens. Yeah. And uh, anyhow, I uh, I wanted to ride track work, and uh, my dad had passed away by this time, and my uncle knew Clive Morgan. Anyhow, mm. he said to Clive about what I wanted to do. So Clive said, "Well, you bring her over to the track." Mm. Anyhow, he put me on the bull ring, mm. and I had to ride in front of him. And um, anyhow. Uh, um, Ronnie Conquest tells me the story. He said, oh, I remember that day you did that. He said, because Clive called me and Bronco over, and he said, what do you think of this girl? Mm-hmm. And uh, Ronnie said, she can ride. So yeah. he let me ride work. Good he let me ride work. Well, yeah. there you are. You've been a trailblazer all along. Now, Pam, there was a major development in your life when you were just 18 years of age. You married Matt, who was an entertainer, and in order for him to find more work, you moved to Sydney. And you rode work for a while for a trainer that I remember well, little bloke called Percy Atkins, who trained a few horses at Rose Hill. Yes, that's right. We were renting a house off him. And, mm. and of course, um, those times the girls could ride work down there in Sydney. And uh, he said, why don't you come over and ride a horse for me? And I said, oh, all right. And I did that and I helped him out for a while. Mm. And in the meantime, my dad got sick. So this was before, Johnny, before dad passed away that I could I could ride work up here at Eagle Farm. They didn't have them up here. In no. Sydney, they'd had them, yeah. you know. Mm. And um, anyhow, uh, when my dad got sick, I'd come back up here mm. uh, to Brisbane and um, – I, you know, he passed away. You had one other part-time job while you were in Sydney to help supplement Matt's income. You were a cigarette girl at the famed Checkers nightclub in Sydney, a very famous <laughs> night spot in the <laughs> 1960s, and you tell me your wages were calculated on the tips you got. That's right. We didn't get wages. We we were paid by the tips, and we made quite a good uh, made quite a good uh, income from that, you know. Mm. But I, I'd, I'd come out of uh, I think at about twelve o'clock. I think it used to close, and uh, I'd go straight across to the Mandarin Club, which was at <laughs> poker machines, and get uh, home about three o'clock. <laughs> uh, what a life you've led, Pam O'Neill. <laughs> I John, there's a few stories I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) You had two very loyal deputies who supported you all the way when you were trying to get that jockey's licence. One of them was the famed race caller and journalist, the late Keith Nowd, who died in 2001, and Al Grasby, who was the Minister for Immigration in the Whitlam government, and a great human rights reformer. He got right behind your cause. Yes, uh, he, he did. Uh, he was um, – Keith now was wonderful. He was the one that was helping me write the write the letters to uh, to all the uh, 
clubs to uh, it was a Queensland turf club, mm. and uh, anyhow, there was a girlfriend of uh, mine that was a teacher, and she was doing uh, books for um, international students. What jobs were available mm. for them to take on? And she came out to our stable, and I explained to her about what a strapper has to do, you know, mm. or a stable hand. Anyhow. She said to me, "Well, we've got it. We've got to do something about this." And she got on to Al Grasby, mm. and Al Grasby was the one that helped change change the rule. Well, he was the instigator behind it because it was discrimination against women was coming in. Yeah, and um, and there was also, as I said, there was a female wanted to be a, a pilot for Qantas, mm. and she wanted to fly. Anyhow, it was a real push from the pair of us. And um, uh, at the same time, she got her licence to fly the planes and mm. I got my licence to ride against the men. But Colin played a good part in it too, a big part. Your late husband, to... Colin O'Neill. Yep. Yes, yes. Mm. Now, we've jumped so, ahead a bit here, Pam, because yes. you only got half a victory at first with the QTC. They finally agreed to races being staged for female jockeys only. They thought that had shut you up. They had something coming, didn't they? <laughs> they sure did. It just fueled the fire. But at <laughs> that time, Johnny, um, I think the racing was starting to drop off too a little bit. You know, the crowds were starting to drop off. Mm. And I think they thought it would be a gimmick. And I went all around Australia riding in just these ladies' races and we got paid to ride in them. Oh, I know you did. You know? Yeah. And uh, we flew all over everywhere light planes and I was mainly I was more the um, manager of them they'd say we're going to have a race meeting Pam can you line some girls up and and all the ones that I knew that could ride work we'd line them up and they'd have this one race. I remember being guest caller one day at a Lismore Cup would have been about 75 or 76 they had a ladies race on the program and I got the job of coming down to the mounting enclosure and introducing all the girls to the big crowd. Uh, you all came out in your colours and your jotties. Uh, you were there. I can still see you. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to think who some of the other women were riding. Was Betty Leroy was one of them? Yeah, Betty Leroy was there, and I think Glenwood Markwell was in it, I think. Yep. I could be wrong. Could have been. Wendy Smith was another. Yeah, Wendy Smith. Yeah. And um, we would have had Judy Curran from up here, I imagine. I think we had the uh, – oh, I, I just forget a lot of them. I, I have to look up my scrapbooks, John, to remember a lot of them. Mm. You know, one of your, your ladies' races was run at Rockhampton and a very special person presented you with the trophy that day. You've never forgotten it. The famed Italian movie actress – Gina Lolla Brigida, who yes, I got it. Pam, I, I checked it out. She's still alive. Is she truly? She is ninety-two years old. Uh, she I, she I, had, had a wonderful career, and you know when her movie career dried up, she carried on doing other things. She became a very capable sculptor. She became a photojournalist. She's just been a worker. All of her life, Gina Lola Bridget. You've got a lovely photo of her. Yes, I have, and um, she 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 was lovely. 
But I think she came up. I can't think what she came out for. Um, I can. She I, was with the representing Apex clubs from all over the world, raising money for multiple sclerosis. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I got a shock when she when she presented me with the trophy. Mm. I would <laughs> no. <have> too. <laughs> It, it, it was lovely. It was lovely. Remarkable lady, Gina Lollabrigida. Yes. Gina Lollabrigida. You know, there was one major breakthrough in Victoria when approval was given for the first unisex race. It was held at Mooney Valley. You rode a horse for the late Jeff Murphy and you absolutely bolted in. The horse's name was Consular. Yes, yes, he, he was and... Uh, when I went out and got on him in the enclosure, uh, Jeff said to me, he said, you know, Pam, he said, when you get to the school, he said, you let him go. Mm. And I go, I thought, now where's this damn school? <laughs> so anyhow, I, <laughs> I had pegged at the time I got to the barriers and when I got around to the barriers, they said, dismount and they put a, uh, a cover over his eyes and I thought, God, what am I on here? Mm. Anyhow, he was a beautiful horse to ride and he won by 10 ranks. Yeah, yeah. But the best thing, I beat Roy Higgins. He ran second. <laughs> we think. We th- haven't checked the record, but we think no. Roy ran second. And uh, I had to laugh coming back to the enclosure. He was married to Eugene and she said, Pam, I'm pleased you beat him. He's a male chauvinist, you know. Mm. So at the presentation, <laughs> they uh, Roy was nowhere to be seen. And they said, where's Roy Higgins? And I said, well, most likely out in the kitchen washing the dishes for us. <laughs> you know, but we were good mates. We were good mates. Uh, he was one of the great gentlemen of Australian racing and Roy Higgins left a, a wonderful legacy for all jockeys around Australia, particularly in Victoria. I, I was, a, I, you know, I've just been ringing him before he died, about a week before he died. Mm. He was. He told me he was in hospital, and, and he used to call me Lady Pamela. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Lady Pamela. Wonderful fellow, uh, the professor. Great bloke. Great bloke. You maintained your regular contact with the QTC, and it dragged on and on and on, and then one day, all of your dreams came true. How did you find out? Phone call, letter. Yes. Well, at, at this time. Uh, we were pushing to, to get the license and in the I'd gone over to uh, New Zealand to ride and Linda Jones was over there and uh, they they got it over there before we got it. Anyhow, uh, Alan Jones was wanting to bring a horse over here for her to ride mm. and um, anyhow, she was pushing to bring hers over mm. and uh, anyhow, they, I think... I think the QDC knew, well, the whole Australian knew that it was, I think it was going to be time for a change. Yeah. Anyhow, they said to me, uh, they rang me up and Judge Williams it was, mm. and he said, Pam, how quick can you how quick can you get your licence? So I said, well, how many barrier trials? And I had to do 10 barrier trials, although mm. I'd ridden winners yeah. all over Australia. Yeah. And uh, I still had to ride in 10 barrier trials to do my licence. You'd I knock got that, that over pretty quick. Yeah, one day. <laughs> one day. Yeah. Good. So yeah. in the meantime, Linda come over. They let mm. Linda come over. Yeah. And um, of course, none of us were licensed and they let her ride and um, 
And then uh, about a week later after she'd ridden here, mm. they gave me my licence. Yeah. Now, Pam, that hurt you a little bit, didn't it? Uh, I mean, you and Linda have become wonderful friends subsequently and you still share a great friendship with her. She came originally to Sydney, first uh, time in Australia, to ride North Fleet in the Mannion Cup at Rose Hill. That was 1979. She ran third. Yes. And then she turned up in Brisbane and she won, was it the Labor Day Cup? Yeah, yes, I think it was the Labor Day Cup on Pay the Purple. Pay the Purple, yep. And uh, I I lent her my saddle. Mm. And uh, I said, typical of a New Zealander, she never slung either. <laughs> <laughs> but sure. as, as the years went on, John, you know, I think back and I thought, it's a shame they didn't let an Australian be the first, but yeah. that's the way it is. You know, that, that's only sort of being a bit sour grapes now as yeah. I got older. They didn't give you a, a weight allowance either. You had to ride on level terms with the blokes from day one. Yes, I think the girls in New Zealand got four kilos, but they said no, that I couldn't have one. Mm. See, John, I was 34, but that doesn't make any difference, you know. no. no. And uh, they said, no, you couldn't have uh, have an allowance. Yeah. And I didn't care at the time because I wanted to ride. I just wanted to ride. Yeah. You know, Jenny Duggan's riding a lot of winners in Sydney at the moment, Pam. Jenny doesn't mind my telling you. She's 41. She's still claiming two kilos in town. Oh, good honour. Yeah. Why not? That's good. <laughs> That's good. So didn't you make a statement on your first day riding against the men, a treble? A treble, yes. And and they weren't horses that were picked for that day. Like they were just horses that come that we had ready and, and mm. I tra- I rode another one for another trainer that day. Mm. And um, anyhow, if you knew Colin and my saga, because he was, he was a brilliant jockey and he expected me to be as good as him, which mm. I didn't think I ever was. Yeah. And uh, he said to me after I'd had a couple of rides, he said, geez, he said, you want to lift your game? He said, look at all these people here. And I said, well, <laughs> I can't go without the horse. No, no. And uh, anyhow, I, I then I rode three winners, bang, bang, mm. bang, and I thought, how long has this been going yeah. on? <laughs> now, Pam, how did the male jockeys react on that very first day and how did the public react? You said there was a big crowd there. Oh, there was an enormous crowd there, you know, and um, I, I never got uh, – the jockeys were great to ride with. Like once you got out there, you both are, you're both you all out there to do your job, you mm. know, and they knew if they dished anything up to me, I'd give it back. Yeah. But uh, – and the crowd was brilliant because I think it, it was a, something that's happening in Australia and people just wanted to see her – see it happen, you know, yeah. and they were all cheering and everything and the mm. photographers and everything were uh, were great. Mm. No, it was a wonderful day, John, and the first ones to greet me when I pulled up was the male jockeys, you know. Yeah, of course, that's great. Got to get you to stand by for a moment there, mate, while we clear a commitment on our podcast with Pam O'Neill. Back after this. The recent Great Southern Sale at the beautifully renovated Oaklands Junction Complex was an outstanding success. The select weanlings offered on the first two days averaged over $32,000 with a clearance rate of almost 80%. 22 of them sold for $100,000 or more. 
the broodmares also enjoyed considerable increases across all key indicators. An average of 25,000 up 27%, a median of 8,000 up 45% and a gross of 5.1 million up 15%. Top of the market was again very strong with nine horses selling for $200,000 or more. Across four days of selling, the gross was almost 17.7 million, up 11%. It's time for vendors to switch the attention to the 2020 yearling sales and entries will open in early July. Go to inglis.com.au. Special guest on the podcast is the trailblazer, Pam O'Neill, the first woman to be licensed to ride against the men in this country. As you said, you were 34 when you gained your licence to ride against the men and you competed for another 18 years, finishing up at age 52. You rode 400 winners, almost 100 in town, and even though you started off so well, the bias existed for a long time, didn't it? Rides were hard to come by. Yes, they were, John. Uh, I think too, being being the first, and and even even you know, people think, oh well, you got a woman on a horse now, and I sort of really had to keep proving myself, you know. Like I I went on a horse up here, he won by four lengths, and one of the blokes said to to Colin, he said, well, if there's a male on that, that would have won by six, and I said, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> really, unbelievable. But, you know, the, the, you just ignore those sort of people. You just go, get on with it, you know. And where is Linda Jones currently? She lived in Queensland for quite a while. Yeah, she um, she lives up at the Sunshine Coast. Oh, we, still we here? We often yep. talk to each other. Yeah, she's still up there. Mm. Yeah, she's a terrific person, Linda. We, we get on well. 1983 was a memorable year for you on two counts. Because of the exposure your story had brought in Australia, you were invited to take up a one-month contract in Japan, a massive compliment to the Queensland girl who had pioneered the cause of lady riders in her own country, now being invited to ride on the other side of the world. And you were stunned with a few things that happened up there. Firstly, you had to saddle the horse yourself. Well, there was a rule up there. I think they used to have 11 races a day and jockeys could only ride in six, I think. Mm. But they had to saddle their own horse. And um, anyhow, as I was at uh, the age, they said to me, you've got to take a chaperone over with you. I thought, God, at my age. (laughs) Anyhow, I took the steward from here, Tommy Murphy. Yeah. And uh, because Tommy was a good old trainer in his day too and, and he used to saddle my horses for me. So I didn't have to saddle them. He was my saddler. So mm. I got the best of both worlds. Mm. But what I did notice that a lot of their gear was very, very Americanized and it was old gear. Mm. And uh, I used to have uh, an ex jockey, Freddie Marsland, used to make all my riding gear. And I always made sure that my riding gear was spot on mm. because it's your life. You're you're depending on that gear, so you've got to make sure you've got good gear. Yeah. Anyhow, I had all um, double side elastic girths and and uh, 
he, uh, anyhow, uh, the time I left, I think Freddie and I sent over about, I'd say, 6,000 sets of Gerson and Sir singles and, mm. and rubbers on the reins. A little so business was, came out of nowhere. Yeah, a little business come out of nowhere. And uh, mm. and what I noticed out there, Johnny, that you don't, they never had any um, any clerk of the courses. Mm. You used to have to um, get go out on the track and then trot around to the front of the barriers and work your way back. Mm. And then your strapper would be taken over behind the barriers mm. and they'd grab you and load you into the barriers. Mm. And... Um, and you didn't have time, once you're in the barriers, you didn't have time to get your goggles down. You were gone. <laughs> you know, they'd let you go, you know. You had but a it, shock of blonde hair then. In fact, you still do. Yes. And this was a source of fascination to the Japanese. They couldn't get enough of you. Well, it, it was different. I remember going up in the plane from Tokyo to Aikado and oh, I saw all these blackheads and I was the only blonde in the plane. <laughs> so, <laughs> Pam, I'm going to terminate part one of our interview now and when we come back we're going to talk about a massive health scare you got when you returned to Australia. Back for part two with Pam O'Neill shortly. The recent Great Southern Sale at the beautifully renovated Oaklands Junction Complex was an outstanding success. The select weanlings offered on the first two days averaged over $32,000 with a clearance rate of almost 80%. 22 of them sold for $100,000 or more. The broodmares also enjoyed considerable increases across all key indicators. An average of 25,000 up 27%, a median of 8,000 up 45% and a gross of 5.1 million up 15%. Top of the market was again very strong with nine horses selling for $200,000 or more. Across four days of selling, the gross was almost 17.7 million up 11%. It's time for vendors to switch the attention to the 2020 yearling sales and entries will open in early July. Go to inglis.com.au. <laughs> 